you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the 7th Annual Around the NFL Fantasy Extravaganza. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler. Greg Rosenthal, Ricky Hollywood, what's up, ladies my, and gentlemen? My first question, do we have the rights for this uh, epic music that we're if listening If we didn't, to? you drew attention to it anyways, but yes, well, I mean, it's, it's in our library. I think anything over 100 years old you have the rights to, that's from like the 1500s, so I, I, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're all set on this. Why, and why does the music sound like this? Greg's going to ask after we're done recording. The reason is because <laughs> this is a celebration. It's a celebration of fantasy royalty. And we're going all the way back to the time of kings and queens uh, to give you the best, best fantasy advice and insight possible as you get ready to draft in the next couple of weeks ahead of week one kickoff. That's why it is the extravaganza. And well, we have an incredible... Yes, great. No, but I want to hear the lineup. No, we have an incredible lineup joining us. In a couple of minutes, we have the great Adam Rank of NFL Network. Another, his pal, his colleague, and our friend Marcus Grant also joining us. Liz Loza of Yahoo, who knows her stuff. Evan Silva, the big fish, joins us. And then Matthew Berry, one of the most well-known fantasy guys out there joins the Around the NFL podcast fantasy extravaganza. I mean, Greg, how about that? I mean, you built, let's talk about it. You built Roto World brick by brick. So I know that your standards are high when it comes to who the guest list is in an exercise like this. How are you feeling right now? I'm feeling shivers, tingles, like the excitement. Not, you know, I miss, I miss Wes, who, you know, Chris Wesley, who, who helped me build it. Uh, Fellow brick, bricklayer. You know, brick by brick at Roto World, along with Silva. Um, but I also 
feel like this is a celebration because it's a culmination. It's a culmination of a seven-year process of a man named Mark Sessler being out on a street corner, not even really, not even really inside the fantasy extravaganza. Um, a guy who thought of it, you know, fantasy heads were hobby horses as he waited um, for some sort of world-ending event to happen, and then here we are in the middle of a pandemic. The world event ending event is here. And there's Mark embracing <laughs> fantasy like never before. Looking the for the fantasy that street corner now fully gentrified, and he's in out of the cold. And he's talking ADP leading up to today's show. He's sitting in on mock drafts with strangers, and now here he is <laughs> well, with us for the first time ever on the extravaganza as a full time member. You know, it was it was about 15 minutes ago that I had to ask Greg, like, what is the site that you use to get like the official ADP on these guys? So I really, I, I view you guys as like, um, like my my parents taking me into uh, into the big city for the first time, and I'm kind of holding your hands and like in awe of the big buildings and buses. So it, you know, I I couldn't uh, be more of a newbie, but let's give it a go. All right, this is exciting. <laughs> This is our 17th annual Fantasy Extravaganza, and um, without further ado, we welcome the man who is part of last year's event, which I believe was the 25th annual Fantasy Extravaganza. (laughs) He is the legend himself, Adam Rank. Oh, yes, the king himself, the man that mixes mirth with fantasy like no one else. Rank, what's up, buddy? What's going on? You know what? Part of me feels like I should be offended that I'm the curtain jerker on this show. Like you're going through the whole list of like all the luminaries. And then here's me coming out first. Hey, everybody, stick around for Pablo Francis. Like that's no, kind of where of that. you are not. But, you know, you know, the ago. first guy's got to come with the heat if we're asking two, you to go. You know, first. you're not you're not Barry Horowitz yeah. rank. Don't worry. Yeah, no, that's it. That's exactly what I am. I am uh, Hurricane Helms. I'm here to just look up at the lights at the end of the at the end of my three minute match and be happy with all. Although I will point out that Brock Lesnar kicked off WrestleMania two years ago. So somehow in my mind, as I was waiting backstage in the green room, I had decided like, oh, I'm the Brock Lesnar of this thing. So I, it's a relevant it's a relevant complaint, Adam. I think you should it, you should maybe look into it and why it why, why? it happened if, this way. If you go to a roast, you know, you go to one of those roasts or whatever, right. who do they have go Does first? One of the big heavy hitters. He you start no. out you start out big. No. Anthony, maybe not the biggest, Anthony's but like the second later. or third goes goes first. Which is fine. And I, I think that it's it's perfectly acceptable to be in awe of what Matthew Barry has done. And it's like, okay, but still, I got to go first? Like, that's it, like, really? Like, and the thing is, and it's not only that, and the thing that kind of got me the other day, too, and like, listen, I love Matt Barry. Like, there's no disrespect. But Gardner Minshew. Here comes disrespect. Gardner Minshew is doing a commercial for uh, an alcohol company, and there's a, there's a contest. I don't want to say who it is. I don't want, they, they didn't pay me to be in this commercial. Right. So why am I giving them the rub? And Gardner <laughs> Minshew, who he, he name drops Matthew Barry. And Gardner Minshew plays for Tony Khan's Jacksonville Jaguars. And last year when we did League One, was there, was there a WWE superstar on that show? No, there was not. I went in mm. the family. I had Ooh. Cody and Brandy Rhodes be a part of League One. And then there's a commercial with Gardner, and I don't get to be he, – he doesn't name drop me? Mm. 
How dare you? You deserve the pop, you're saying. I get that. <laughs> I deserve the rub. Like, come on, Tony. Why couldn't you say my name? There's a like, wide variety I, of complaints here. I, you know, enjoying <laughs> This is all, yeah. This is everything okay, Sessler's like, that's my normal role. <laughs> well, you know what? Actually, we had Sessler on the Fantasy Spectacular recently. I mean, he's that's so plugged YouTube. into Fantasy now. Oh, my it's gosh. He was I mean, we're, that's the synergy that we're looking for, Adam. They talk that's about that in our office when we used to go to an office, and I think that we we you know we gave them a, a piece of pie right there. That's a big, oh, you know, if I don't it was know huge. why it's pie. And now it's crossover. <laughs> I love this. I love coming this on is ATN. Great. I know I know when uh, it's, it's like when the kids, they used to do this. And again, I'll go back to the wrestling analogies because, you know, the four people who've ever heard of me always know me for wrestling. <laughs> and it's like when like when Ring of Honor guys show up in New Japan, it's like super cool. You're like, oh, my God, here's Cody. And he's, you know, he's fighting the Rainmaker or whatever it is. Like, yeah, no one knows what you're talking about. <laughs> no, the four guys, the four guys who know who I am. Who They're like, this guy's awesome. Those guys, they, 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 my Blue World Order shirt is being blocked by this microphone. They still know what it is. That's that's how in tune they are to me and professional wrestling. Yep. Play the hits, I always say. You know, that's what that, I do. Oh, yeah. listen, they would be disappointed if I didn't do it. But no right. disrespect. Right. There's a great line. I, there is a great lineup, though. I appreciate being on, though. After no, all those complaints, we- I do appreciate it. <laughs> You were uh-huh. here later and you killed it. So we have to lead it off with family and ranks a perfect choice. And, you know, all, of all the great stuff you do both on NFL Network. And by the way, check out, I believe, and no, it, it's not off brand. Does, does the fantasy spectacular sound kind of similar to the fantasy extravaganza? Yeah. yeah but the fantasy right. guys for NFL media are doing their own thing and they kill this fantasy game week in and week out. So make sure you check out uh, the uh, spectacular, which just uh, came out this week. And one of your most popular things you do, featuring Ray, me, just to, you know, I was going to say, Sessler was on that. that he was amazing. That's, that's all I'll say. He so, killed it. It was amazing. Uh, watched, I, I couldn't stop watching it. If you watch the minute sizzle reel, Sessler <laughs> is the headliner of that. See, we didn't mm. put Sessler first. We put Kyle Brandt first. We kept Sessler mm. for the end, which is kind of uh, not what's happening. All right. Here. Well, we've learned our lesson clearly how Rank expects to be treated when he's on the <laughs> ATN pod, and we will uh, we'll act accordingly in the future. Let's talk about Don't Be That Guy. Yeah. Because Rankin has, has written work on the .com, on the network. Don't be that guy with the 2020 draft coming up. Get us, get us going, Rank. Tell us how you should avoid being that guy. Don't be that guy. Well, thank you so much for that that kind setup. And I, I know anybody here who's listening for like sleepers and all that stuff. Listen, there you heard the lineup. There are people way more qualified than me to talk about that stuff. I'm more of like your friend who is there, and and I'm trying to advise people. And I know a lot of you know you have a huge UK audience, which is amazing. And I know a lot of them are getting into fantasy football. So there's a couple of little tips. I would like to tell them before they start their fantasy drafts, because there's always going to be one person who seems out of place, who seems like they're in over their head in fantasy. And if you don't know who that person is, then it's you. Mm. I kind of want to help you out. No, that's the thing. Like it, these are or it's Mark. Rules. It's or either it's you Mark or Mark. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, all right, you know. Well, it's there we know, go. There, there's so many things. Yeah, and so maybe I'm speaking to an audience of one right now. This is Mark Sessler right. as he's getting. We're into down from right four to one now. Bed rank is speaking to. Yeah, it's, that's it's really we're going. Person. We're trending in the wrong direction. This is what right, I'm listening. Hey, listen, anybody who sees me at the comedy store or flappers, this is usually my thing. It's like there's one person who gets me in a room full of 300, <laughs> and I focus in on that person. 
And they get it's all like, oh, yeah, I killed. I killed. I killed. Oh. One guy. Like, listen, the other two ninety nine, they were like, whatever. But it's like, why does he have a copy guy. of Catcher in the Rye in his pocket concerning? <laughs> Wait, was that a throwback to that Mel Gibson movie? Uh, that was a throwback to the uh, the gentleman who attempted to remove Jody Foster right. uh, from society. So, all right, all right I, Rank, well, your time it. is up here. It's I been great it. having you. I knew it. Listen, you're talking about world events. I'm talking about conspiracy theory. One of Julia Roberts' least known movies that I've seen a thousand right. times outside of Ocean. No Pelican I'm Brief. Sorry. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I'm sorry. I know that I'm supposed to. I'm here for fantasy stuff, but this is why. This is why I was producing the show ahead of time, being like, "Not you might as well not even plan on me talking fantasy because it's not going to happen." I'm going to give you a couple. We're going to get it out of you. No, you're not going. Don't to. be that guy. Who's the guy? <laughs> the guy. No, well, that you're not the guy. Don't be the guy who keeps talking and doesn't allow the draft to start because that always happens. Like somebody will come, mm. similar to what I'm doing right now, where somebody's <laughs> just there filibustering, <laughs> eating nachos. And you're like, "We're supposed to start this draft 20 minutes ago, and you won't shut up." about obscure movies or whatever it is. We have a draft. Some mm. of us have families. We got to go. But anyways, that wasn't one of them. The first one, though, like sincerely, is always be prepared. And it always seems weird that I have to tell people this because even back in the day, and I think that Greg's old enough to remember when fantasy drafts would kind of go like this where you would be driving to your friend's house, you would stop by a grocery store, and I don't know if anybody remembers grocery stores, but you would go in there <laughs> and buy a magazine and you can Google that or ask your parents what that was. You would buy a magazine and you would show up and you would go off these rankings that were written in March, you know, with before even free agency started. And you're like, oh, do I want to take, you know, I'm going to take Devonta Freeman because they have him printed mm. here. You're like, yeah, by the way, he's not in the NFL right now. That's the thing <laughs> is that we have all this information at our disposal that we have the all-new NFL Fantasy app that not only has rankings and ADP, Ooh. Mark. If you wanted to find ADP, you could have gone to the all-new NFL Fantasy app. Well, I'm learning. I'm there learning you from you on the fly. There's a link Thank in you. my IG bio if you want to go check it out and download. You can do that. You can also you can also win a Travis so Matthew polo shirt. But no, listen, I'm not here to do plugs. I'm not here to put over <laughs> the people who sponsor me or Endless. anything like that. I listen. You got listen. You got to be an influencer, Dan. This is what this is what I do. I mean, like, I fantasy's fine. It's the next step, but I'm going to be an influencer. Listen, I'm going to be living off Portillo's gift cards for the rest of my life. But I got to <laughs> make sure that I get all those plugs in in order for that to happen and feed my family. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I get it. So I get I'm, it. That's why I'm saying to be prepared. Be prepared. Well, let me ask you this: if if you're listening to this podcast right now, Rank, and your draft yeah. is on Sunday night, are, is it already too late? Is there a way to, no, no, to cram? No. Okay, oh, yeah. what's the be- What's the most effective way to prepare? I would once again go and download the all-new Fantasy app. You will have rankings there. You will have mock drafts. I don't like. I can't stress this enough to go in and do some mock drafts. You know, like when we're leading mm. up to the actual NFL draft, you see mock drafts. They're fun. This you can do for fantasy and try out a number of different things. Maybe in one time you're like, I'm going to go running back, running back here and see what my team looks like. Or maybe I'll start with the receiver and George Kittle and see which running backs I end up with. Or there's a number of different things that you can do. So you want to go in there and you want to be ready. You don't want to go in there and and be thrown off because you always want to be like the amoeba. You you always got to be moving. You got to be fluid. You know, you can't let them, you can't go on tilt when something like, if you're <laughs> going into a draft and you're convinced, like, I'm going to I'm gonna take Miles Sanders first in the first round and be at the end of the draft. And if somebody picks him ahead of you, 
Then you don't. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Lore falls out. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be ready for that and be always be ready to go. And so that's why you want to be prepared. You don't want to be like that kid who was mm. in your math class. You remember the guy who would show up and he always had a jean jacket with a wool collar. He's like, well, we, have a, we have a test today? Bro, dude, can I borrow a pencil? Like, dude, what? How is this possible? How do you not know? There's, it's on the That was top definitely you, Adam. Definitely not me. I was a schoolboy. Really? Look at me. Like, there was, I had nothing going for me other than the teachers liked me. Like my, if I pulled out my high school yearbook right now, it would be notes from Mrs. White and, and Miss Shoemaker, like, hey, you are such a great student. Thank you. There weren't. Are they girls. sponsoring you too? Or? No. Good no. teachers. Good teachers. <laughs> yeah, it's not like there were girls leaving me notes or messages or anything like that. It was the teachers, my friends. All right, so don't don't be the guy that's unprepared. unprepared. I hate that person. What you else? Show up. What you else got you a got? bag of Del Taco, and you're not ready. You're asking to borrow <laughs> no. my phone. Okay, sorry. Also, here's a. This is an actual legitimate fantasy tip, and this is for the newbies. This is for people. They need to know this. Don't take a quarterback early, which goes counterintuitive to everything that you know about the NFL, where the quarterback is the most important position. Whereas in the NFL, if you draft Mitch Trubisky and not Patrick Mahomes, you're probably not going to win. But in fantasy football, you can actually win by skip. See, Ryan Pace should be a fantasy player because that way not taking Mahomes would actually work out for you fine because last year listen in the first five games of last year Patrick Mahomes was playing at, at an MVP level he was awesome he was crushing it he was still the quarterback five in fantasy the guy who was number one was Lamar Jackson who I drafted in the 12th round like that is what and listen we can talk about the theory of quarterback points and anything like that and I know it's stupid and I know there's people out there who are like, dude, I won my league with Jameis Winston last year. And that's the fantasy footballers, and they suck. But no disrespect <laughs> to them, though. But, like, there's got to be – there's right gotta on the be, edge. No, there's got to be something to fantasy scoring. Mm. Where it's like, Jameis threw four picks. How did he have as many points – nearly as Lamar Jackson. Like, yeah, that's a, a, it's it's a stupid scoring system. It's yeah. a, it's a, it's a bad, it, it gets Chris Wesseling, uh all what? fired up that quarterback West- don't matter. I would argue though, like, wouldn't you say, don't be the guy who has like some rule that they just stick to that rule. Cause as you mentioned, who was a bigger league winner than Lamar Jackson? It, people would have said you were the guy that took him too early. If you just were like, I believe in Lamar Jackson, I'm taking him in the fifth round. And that would have been too like, that would have been fine if you like you got lucky that no one took him before you in round 12. But fantasy people were saying, you know, don't don't take him too early. Anyone that just had a belief in him and they were right. It, you couldn't have taken him too early. He won you your league. Yeah, I know. But you you yeah. can or actually, Mahomes the year before. That's fine. But you so it happens. You can walk into you could walk into In-N-Out Burger and say, I will give you twenty dollars for a double double. But you don't have to pay that. It's still three dollars. Like you can still wait. So, yes, there is a there's a counterbalance right there of. You know, good, good counter. Getting, getting the guy that you want, but not overspending. Although I and I run into that too in home leagues with like two of my friends, the DePaulo brothers. They they watch every episode of Fantasy Live. They read every piece of content I ever put out. If I ever want, like last year, that very situation worked out because in most leagues I was getting Lamar Jackson in round ten, eleven, or twelve. They drafted him, or one of them marked it. Drafted him in the fifth round last year. Right. I'm like, I'm like, what happened? He's like, I've been watching your show, bro. I'm like, this is the worst thing 
Uh, That's terrible. And I didn't win because of try, that. I, try doing. I remember when we were at Roto or, or NBCSports.com, there was an office pool and everyone's just using your rankings. It's very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> it's very complicated to draft against that. Yeah. Right. Give us one more. Right. Give us one more. First world problem. Is my, time, is my time almost up? All right. Your time's Please. nearly up. So give us one more. You know what, though? I, I kind of want to piggyback on what Greg is saying, though, is that okay. don't be afraid to play scared. You know, or don't play, don't be the guy who's too scared to make a move. And I, okay. you know what? I did get fortunate that somebody didn't jump ahead of me and take Lamar Jackson. And what we're seeing this year is Clyde Edwards Alaire is going as the fifth overall pick in some drafts. And what I see, these kids come onto my Instagram post and they're like, oh, I got to see him play first. Like, guess what? You're not going to get that opportunity. That's not <laughs> happening in this world. You <laughs> can't be afraid. If you want to pick and be safe and you, you know who Todd Gurley is and you've seen him play and you've seen Leonard Fournette, then you know what? Enjoy fifth place because playing it safe will get you nowhere. Listen, I understand that there will be times that I finish in first place and there are times where I finish dead last, but I'm not afraid to take my guys. So that's, that is one of my rules. So don't be, don't be the guy who's playing scared because scared money don't make money. Mm, I like it. That bugle, is it a bugle? Trumpet? Who knows? Means more royalties entered the room and it is Adam Rank's colleague and friend, Marcus Grant. <laughs> What's up, yeah, Marcus? friends after all I'm, these years. I, I, I'm excited to be here. That that was. Uh, I'm glad that was a, a welcoming sound. I was a little bit alarmed. I didn't know what was happening at first. <laughs> That's what I we're going like for. You need to make a royal proclamation now. Uh, <laughs> I decree. Hitty. I decree <laughs> that Tyrod Taylor is getting my unofficial Hard Knocks fantasy bump. Just mostly because oh, I like because wow. of his quarantine style. I think is primarily the reason. Good decree. Uh, yeah, well, you nailed it, Marcus. That he looks like uh, Dan- Donald Glover from yeah. uh, the This Is America video. Um, Rank, thank you so yes. much again. Thank you. You're not a curtain jerker. Hey, you're gonna be you're gonna be Mark- the Saturday night main event headliner. You're gonna do well on this business, Rank. I can feel it. <laughs> e- enjoy Marcus Grant, everybody. Have a good one. All right, all right. Adam Rank, we send him off, and now the stage is yours, Marcus. You know, Tyrod Taylor is one of those guys. It happened it again on the latest Hard Knocks. Every year you just get sucked in because, and it happened when he was on the Browns hard knocks with Baker Mayfield behind him on the depth chart, his leadership, uh, you're sucked into it, what everything the coaches are saying. And you think you start to think to yourself, wow, this guy is the greatest person and greatest quarterback (laughs) of all time. And then he's on another team the next year, but still he'll be playing in this league a long time in our league because he's like a glue guy in in a locker, in a quarterback room, even if he's not necessarily your starter, that that'll play. You're right. And it's funny because I have sort of over the course of this fantasy draft season sort of talked him up in my own head. Uh, Mm. No one was no one was considering Tyrod Taylor early in draft season. Then I start seeing these side by side statistical comparisons of him and Josh Allen and the numbers when they were both Bill's quarterbacks were fairly similar. And I keep saying to myself, well, great runner. Tyrod right. Taylor. How, how is it that, that Tyrod's not getting any fantasy love, but we all love Josh Allen as an industry, as this kind of mid-round guy who's ready to be a, a, a top 10 fantasy quarterback? It didn't make any sense to me. Now, I, I haven't been bold enough to actually put my money where my mouth is and draft Tyrod in any leagues, but I have told myself a story where he is going to be potentially a top 10 <laughs> well, quarterback. Well, isn't the thinking... 
Isn't he going to get Mayfield the way he did in right. Cleveland? Right, so he's got a first-round pick behind him. October? That, that is sort of the thought process there, that Justin yeah. Herbert is just waiting for one slip-up to come to come and jump in and take that gig. And I think that's what's held people back. Uh, but, you know, look, hey, with no no preseason games, with a limited offseason, Tyrod could hold on to this job for at least the first half of the season. You want to be like a last-round QB2 guy, which I used to like to do quite yeah. a bit. Just wait till the last round, and he, he feels like a guy for that sort of slot. He's absolutely the guy for that slot. So, Marcus, we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to get to the running backs in a second. But what is your philosophy when it comes to the quarterback room? Do you – you know, I play in a two quarterback league, which I know is unorthodox, but we love it because that puts more importance on the quarterback in fantasy. And we talked about it just now with rank and Wes is, was yelling about it on Monday that the quarterback <laughs> doesn't get enough love in fantasy and he's the single most important player in football. So when is fantasy going to figure that out? I guess having a two QB league addresses that on some front, but let's stick with the one QB league, which most people do. Should you wait on QBs or do you grab one of those top tier talents uh, if if they're there for you? I have started to kind of shift my philosophy on that because I was, you know, sort of like everybody else. The wait on a quarterback crowd. Um, you know, you always find those guys. I, I always had that guy that I would refer to as the patron saint of the church of wait on a quarterback. I mean, for years, uh, it was like Philip Rivers. It was Matthew Stafford. I think Tom Brady has sort of graduated into that category this year down there in Tampa. But last year, I really got to a point where I said, look, if you are going to draft a quarterback early, go get yourself a good one. Now, at the time when I said that, I was thinking about Patrick Mahomes. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I, I predicted Lamar Jackson running for 1,200 yards and, and lighting the world on fire. Um, but I really did feel like, and I, I agree with Wes completely, I don't understand why it is. If we all agree that Mahomes is awesome, that Lamar Jackson is awesome, why it's considered a tactical disadvantage to go out and draft those guys. So... I started to come around. I can't say that I've reached early enough to get a Mahomes or Jackson in a lot of leagues, but I feel a lot more comfortable in sort of those, you know, I guess early middle rounds, if you will, mm. round five, round six, whether it's Dak Prescott, uh, Russell Wilson is a name that I like a whole lot. Um, I, I do feel some guilt into talking up Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray is going to be great. I think we have talked him up past what potentially his draft value could be, but I think he's mm. another reasonable option to take if you're looking in round five, six, or seven to go get a quarterback. I Let wonder. If, you, I wonder if someone. One thing on quarterbacks. I wonder yeah. if Aaron Rodgers has graduated into that second tier now in fantasy drafts. If it's finally he's beyond it now, yeah, I, I see people putting it like, "Where is he at this point?" Categories. Yeah, it's happened. Cause I think for years we sort of left him in that top tier, and I think it was sort of muscle memory. We're just used to talking about Aaron Rodgers so long there. But I think what we've seen, especially last year, even the last couple of years, is that he is starting to kind of fall off that pedestal. And I think, uh, you know, I think the fantasy community and just drafters as a whole have sort of caught up to that. And, and so he's not getting just reflexively picked in the first five rounds like he used to. I would I'd ask you this about running backs because it's not a question about bus. But when you look at certain uh, teams, the way they're assembled, I think of Buffalo's backfield. You got Zach Moss, who's, you know, gaining steam by the week from reporters in camp. You got Devin Singletary there, the Pats backfield, uh, the Ravens. Like, do you have teams that, you know, when you're looking at who you're going to draft and what target running backs you're going to target early, you're just, I'm not touching this team because, uh, you know, it's just, it's too cloudy and we're drafting three days from now. Or do you just say, I like the idea of this guy. I'm going to go for it no matter what. It's Zach Moss. It's, Fill in the blank, Jonathan Taylor. 
Yeah, no, there are, there are backfields that I have just generally sort of avoided. The Rams is the one that is top of mind for me. Um, whenever Sean McVay is asked about his running backs, I mean, he will mention literally everyone. I mean, he'll talk about Cam Akers. He'll talk about Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. I really feel like he might have brought up Zach Stacy and Gaston Green at some point over the, uh, the offseason. <laughs> Zach Stacy reference. Yeah. <laughs> Marcus has been in the game a long time. So, like, I feel like I just – I can't get on. You just earned Greg's res- respect I, there, Mark. Look, I'm, I'm done good. here. I'm going to take off the headset and walk away now. Um, <laughs> I, I just I, I've been able to stay away from that backfield because I just haven't really been able to get on board with it. They're one. I feel like in the past uh, that applied to the 49ers and just a Kyle Shanahan backfield. Although I feel like we've gotten a little bit more clarity over the years. Um, I will say with you mentioned Baltimore. I still am in on Mark Ingram. I think the J.K. Dobbins time starts sort of next year and beyond, but I still think Mark Ingram has a role. I look at Buffalo as sort of a mess because I like Devin Singletary's talent, but it just doesn't seem like the Bills are that into him. They keep putting obstacles in front of him. First, it was Frank Gore, who is going to live forever. Uh, you know, Now it's Zach Moss, who's going to get those goal line carries. So there are, you are right, there are backfields you look at, and it's just – it's so cloudy for me that I have tended to just be hands off. It's something. There is a point I think where that view becomes so prevalent that if you gotta take on a player, go for it. Like you don't have to. You can make a choice. I love Cam Akers. I could be mm-hmm. wrong. Um, I could be wrong in terms of the usage for sure. But I just think he's a great player, and and eventually guys like that will end up having value. And if if you're a play, you might not agree with that one, but you might have a backfield. Like if you might have a guy in New England that you like, whether it's mm-hmm. James White or Damon Harris, or you might have a guy. And I don't think he, like people should be afraid just because they don't know who's going to get it week one. By week four or five, everything's going to be scrambled so much, anyways. That sometimes, <laughs> like, there's a little bit of a, a week one bias in these drafts where everyone is thinking about week one, week two. Well, I think the upshot there, though, is is because we get so much talk about you know uncertainty in backfields and and you know no real clear number one. I think what ends up happening is that everybody stays away, and then the ADP falls for these guys. And I, mm-hmm. I always say that everybody is a good pick in the right spot, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if if Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson falls enough, sure, I'm willing to take that shot and see what happens with it. But if you're asking me if I want to take a chance on Cam Akers in the sixth round, I'll tell you that I don't feel confident enough for it in that space. You know, I'm I'm going after for Henderson, say, in round nine or ten. Um, you know, so if if we if we create enough confusion, if we blow enough smoke, maybe it does kind of help everybody else because that ADP starts to come down. Marcus, we have, according to our own NFL fantasy ADP rankings, we have one, two, three, four, five, six players at the running back position going in the top 10 of drafts right now. McCaffrey, Saquon, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook. Of those stars, which Mm. is the one that you are maybe the most nervous about and conversely, the one that you're like, oh, lock and loaded. I have no worries that this guy's going to disappoint me. Uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the positive first. I mean, the guy that I am, uh, I, CMC is on a completely different level right now because he's the closest thing to a one-man offense we've seen in a while in the NFL. But the the other stud that I, I am all in on is Alvin Kamara. Um, yeah. I think, oh, I think nice. right now, mm. I think you had him as, what, fifth, I think, on that list. I have been taking yep. him with the third pick in a lot of drafts. I mean, it's it's generally been on most drafts, CMC one, Saquon two, and I am right there to grab Kamara at number three. I mean, this is a guy. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, ahead of Zeke. Yeah, I, I like Zeke. I think I think he's fantastic. But I do see that offense kind of becoming more Dak centered. Uh, and plus, Tony Pollard's going to sneak in there. I think and get some work. Kamara's a guy who won. Just lock him in for eighty-one catches, right? I mean that that is the that's the number every year for him so far this year. He still gave you pretty decent numbers despite not being healthy. I think you know you'll see his touchdown numbers come back up again. So I am not worried about him at all. The guy that I am a little bit worried about is probably Derrick Henry, just because what he did last year was was outstanding. It was great that they decided to lean on him and give him those opportunities, but uh, he doesn't catch the football, which is something we really want, especially out of a guy you're drafting in the first round of your, your fantasy mm-hmm. leagues. Um, he's just not going to get those targets in that backfield. The other part of it is uh, you, know, you look at his r- r- rushing totals, first of all, he had a 200-yard game in Week 17, which helped absolutely no one because pretty much all fantasy <laughs> leagues were over. So that's, that's something to take into account uh, when you look at him this year. The other part of it is the touchdown numbers were really high, which is great. It also seems like it's something that's going to be very hard to duplicate, especially if the Titans really are all in on Ryan Tannehill and trying to give him you know, more responsibility in that offense. I think Henry's going to be a top 10 running back when it's all said and done. Mm. I just would prefer to draft him more early second round than late first round. Well, you might have an argument from um, from the the big fish, Uh-oh. Evan Silva, coming up Uh-oh. a little later. I know he's a big fan of the big dog, so we might have to bring that up. <laughs> you you have, you're talking running backs, and those top guys are all you know pretty bulletproof. But I I do have an issue looking at the ADP this year. That that my biggest takeaway looking at it for the first time like this week was all these. Trashy running backs going in the second, third, and fourth round. And I don't, I just don't get it. We're going to talk receivers later with Liz Loza. So we'll leave that to the side. But I just don't get taking kind of bad players just because they're running backs in the second or third or fourth round. And, and I'll give you names. Gurley is like the most obvious mm-hmm. one that I'm sure everyone's mentioned. Um, but Kenyon Drake, I love Kenyon Drake, like as a player, but that seems a little a little wild considering uh, his history. David Johnson, David Montgomery, now his injury will kind of knock him down mm-hmm. a little bit. Like Fournette, it's just like I, I know I know the average draft position tells you, and some of the the analysts tell you, but it's like why take pretty mediocre players when there are like great players still available that score just as many or more points at the receiver position. Well, I, I think you have quite a bit of wish casting going on with some of these right. guys. I mean, you know, in the wise words of Rust Cole, time is a flat circle, right? We started this thing where running backs were going to be coming off the board fast and furious in the early rounds. Then as PPR became more of a thing, we sort of pivoted to wide receivers. Now we're back to running backs because a lot of them catch passes and, and that certainly inflates their value. But we've also sort of started to reach for guys that we think could have workhorse roles. And I think, you know, we have told ourselves a story with some of these guys that maybe isn't exactly true. I mean, I, I, I will admit to being a guy who was big on Kenyon Drake, just seeing how the Cardinals used him in the back half of last season. And, and I haven't quite bought into this idea of Chase Edmonds eating into that workload the way Cliff Kingsbury suggests. And look, I, Cliff Kingsbury certainly knows better than I, but, you know, who am I? I'm going to tell Cliff Kingsbury. What, what list, I think you're right. Know. That's the one guy of that list that I would say right. has a chance to be awesome. It's like the other guys have kind of shown who they are. Believe them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think with Gurley, you know, I think early on in this offseason, I sort of thought Gurley maybe had an opportunity because I felt like the Falcons would use him more as a pass catcher, which is something the Rams just sort of abandoned last year. But, uh, you know, hearing that, 
When you talk about yards per route run, which is one of those advanced metrics that we like to look at, uh, Todd Gurley was dead last among all running backs mm-hmm. last year. That That's Oof. no bueno. Uh, and I think that's something to take into account when you figure they also have, you know, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley and they add Hayden Hurst. They've got other guys to throw the football to. So Gurley's one. Fournette is one that I've sort of stayed away from because how can I like a running back that doesn't seem to be liked by his own team? Yeah, no explanation needed on that one, Mr. Grant. No explanation <laughs> needed. So, yeah, I, 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 Greg, I totally get where you're coming from, but I do think because we have gone running back crazy in the early rounds, we have started to kind of reach for some fringe guys and try to you know, tell us a story to make ourselves feel better about where we're taking them. I had a quick one for you before we go here. Trades, all right, whether it's for running backs in season or whatever, how do you not be the dude that you always see these, tw- like these, a, a tweet will be out there on someone just getting absolutely fleeced in a trade and it's embarrassing. Their friends <laughs> abandon them, their children are embarrassed to have them as parents. Like, how do you not uh, get fleeced in trades? If you're a new player, what's Does, the Is this your fear? Colton and Luke just being like, what? You <laughs> traded, uh, well, you traded away Hopkins? I can't respect you, father. Yeah, how do you just not be, you know, become a total doofus? How do you make sound uh, transactions? Well, I mean, I think the, the first thing, I think the what first a question. thing that I tell everybody is, is this about fantasy football or like just life advice right now? I know. Well, right? How am I getting into? This? I was like, the, the first, my first piece of advice to everybody is, don't worry about who wins the trade, right? Like, I get a lot of tweets where people, you know, show me the, the deal, and they're like, well, who wins this deal? And my answer to them is like. Don't worry about winning the deal. Worry about improving your team. That should be the first thing you look at when you make a trade. If you feel like you have filled a position of need, if you feel like you've gotten stronger at a certain spot, then, you know, to hell with what everybody else is going to say about it. Just feel like you got better. Now, at the same time, uh, you know, it does sort of make sense to look at production, you know, past production and what the potential outcome can be for that player. Um, because, you know, obviously you, you don't want to give up a Derrick Henry type and, you know, in return, get, you know, the third wide receiver, you know, get a, get, get Dante Pettis, right? Mm, you don't want to, you don't want to make that sort of deal. It's usually those um, two for ones, the two for ones when you're getting the right. one, you want to be the one. Right. The other thing fantasy. I would say about that is that there, there are plenty of times you make a trade and at the moment it sort of looks one sided, but then something happens. Either a guy loses his gig, uh, he unfortunately gets hurt. He just underperforms. And then by the time it all shakes out at the end of the year, that trade ends up looking a little bit more even than you thought. So uh, I guess that's just a way of saying just ignore the knee-jerk haters mm-hmm. on Twitter because they're always going to be there. Your children will respect you by the end of this year, maybe, <laughs> exactly. like once they look at the stats. Finally, uh, Marcus, in the running back category, uh, who's telling the truth about Le'Veon Bell's hamstring? Le'Veon Bell or Adam Gase? <laughs> I will say that, well, one, uh, Adam Gase, I know, doesn't have the best track record amongst us fantasy types that we don't necessarily trust his word. But at the same time, Le'Veon has a tendency to exaggerate over social media. So uh, this is one that I think I am, I am, you know, I'm going to have the, the uh, Bill Hader popcorn meme. I'm just sitting back and sort of watching this whole thing go down, and I am not claiming right. inside in this. What do you think about Bell? Because a couple of years ago, he's the best fantasy running back on the planet. Last year was a mess, but we've had reports before Wednesday's developments that he's in the best shape of his life and he's got a lot to prove and the offensive line is better. Is he a guy, stay away guy for you or a guy that you think can pile uh, it up? 
I know you probably don't want to hear this as a Jets fan. I want them no, to. Tra- I want them to trade Lev Bell. I want him back into our <laughs> fantasy lives because look, I look at the the guys that I you know, the Adam Gaze expats from last season, right? Whether it was Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, all these guys who got out from underneath him and then had some of the best years of their life. I think Lev still has something in the tank. I want him mm. back in my fantasy life. So if, if they can find a way to sh- – look, I, as a USC alum, I want the same for Sam Darnold. I just want good things for these guys, and I just don't think it's going to happen <laughs> under Adam Gates. Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe next year, maybe uh, next decade. Who knows? All right, Marcus <laughs> Grant, you've said it all. We thank you so much for joining us. And, again – um, what a old Mark. How long have you been at NFL Network, Marcus? This Grant? this is season number ten for me. Wow, look wow. at you, wow. just just right. like Mark yeah. and Dan. There you go. Yeah. yeah, Grant Grant knows his stuff. You can check him out on NFL Network and his writing on NFL.com. Follow him on Twitter. Thank you, buddy, and best of luck this season. Stay healthy. Uh, That's the thing, Marcus. Same to you guys. Be good. Right. Uh oh. You know what that sound means? It's another regal guest on the fantasy extravaganza, and she is one of our favorites. She knows her stuff. She works for Yahoo Fantasy, but right now she's going to speak to us. Liz Loza. What's up, Liz? Oh, hello. I've never felt so regal wearing elastic waistband pants for six months. This is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this is – we've decided that it's kind of all royalty here uh, for this fantasy extravaganza this year, and – Liz is, you know, covering fantasy from every angle at Yahoo, and you can follow her at Liz Loza underscore FF. And for this part of the conversation, Liz, I mean, first of all, how you doing? Everything okay? Yeah, it's great. Best year ever. I mean, 2020, right? And then I know I'm very honored, let me just say, to be here because while mm. I am no big fish, my only hope is to be like a prognosticating mermaid of some sort. So Ooh. Ooh. This is, um, we can use that. The big fish is coming up a, a little bit later on the show. But just being on the show means you're a big fish. We were looking for, you know, any way we can help widen the divide between you and your Yahoo uh, colleague, Matt Harmon. So choosing you to come on to represent Yahoo, that was really, it was. Strategic. Well, plugging his name certainly helps my cause, I suppose. <laughs> I know he'll appreciate that. You said the prognosticating mermaid? Sure. Yeah. Spell casting. I mean, that has legs. Yeah. Or not, I guess it doesn't. Maybe maybe we could work on it. It has fins, dear. It has fins. (laughs) All right, let's get into it, Liz. So we want to talk a little wide receiver with Loza. Liz could uh, speak uh, on any topic, but we're going to drill in now on wide receivers on draft day and making sense of the positional group. Um, So when you look at the – well, let's start here. When you look at the overall group, I think everyone kind of has decided – and with good reason, Michael Thomas is the guy. He's the number one guy. Uh, but I feel like it gets a little murky after that. So in terms of the top ten, before we do- dive in deeper, how do you see that shaking out if you're somebody that's looking to target a wide receiver and Michael Thomas isn't an option? Well, I don't really think it much matters for fantasy, frankly. After after Michael Thomas, you've got Devontae Adams, who I think you know could have been the wide receiver one last year were it not for some bad luck in the end zone, frankly, and I do expect his touchdowns to rebound quite a bit in 2020. But honestly, this position is so deep. And if we're talking draft strategy, in comparison, running back is so stinking shallow that 
I am willing to forego elite talent at the top in favor of hammering the running back position. So the top 10 guys, Thomas, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins still, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin I like a lot. I have him ranked as my wide receiver six, mostly because of his versatility. I like him well ahead of uh, Mike Evans, in fact, because while Mike Evans is absolutely a deep threat that has negatively affected his efficiency, even with the upgrade in quarterback from Winston to Brady. Um, but you're basically on Evans to me, counting on touchdowns, right? Because of that giant wingspan and red zone potential. But Godwin can do all the things. And when Gronk is in the picture, I have to imagine, especially week one, they have got the, the, the Patriots. I'm sorry. The Bucks have the Saints. The Saints have that really mm. amazing pass rush. To me, that's a lot of Brady checking down to his favorite, most reliable option. So I think Gronk could be a very big, um, hero in September, early season hero. I imagine him catching a couple, maybe even two spikes week one as Brady is feeling that new sort of pressure. So I'm not sure, at least on the top of things, and obviously in fantasy, you want to win out of the gate early. Evans is going to be as uh, reliable or really ROI on his top, you know, what is he? I think he's second round draft potential. So those top 10 guys up until Chris Godwin, I like him if you have the ability to swerve and you can, fine. But still, I'd much rather hammer the running back position and then wait until maybe even as late as round five to start loading up on wide receiver. Feels like so long, though. I mean, I, like, I mean it feels you can't like-, get like a oh, – I, I was going to say, like, I like a higher – if you want to take a running back in the first four rounds, like three of those first four rounds, and if you're not going to settle on one of the elite tight ends like Kittle or Kelsey – so, like, if you're drafting out of the third or the fourth spot, I really like taking Kittle or Kelsey for the advantage in the second round at the back of the second round. But if you're drafting at the back of the first round, I would prefer maybe waiting on, and if you wanted a high floor receiver, getting someone like Allen Robinson, right? Like, he's going to see 130-plus looks again this year. I like the volume. We know his amazing talent. I also... I'm not so worried about Keenan Allen. I feel like his ADP has slid tremendously because people are over-adjusting for the change in quarterback. But Allen is a talent, and talent breaks all the ties. He's an incredible route runner. Mike Williams has this shoulder issue. I think Keenan Allen in the fourth round is a really great wide receiver one as a stable wide receiver. And then you can start again loading up on the position with more higher upside guys like Calvin Ridley and all these DJ Chark is wildly undervalued. Can we put some respect Mm. on DJ Chark's Mm. name? Like everyone's talking about Terry McLaurin. It's the same argument. Put a little respect on his name. I'm with you on like the depth there. And I was always into, you know, when I, when I did fantasy that it's like you draft players, you don't draft positions. And uh, it feels like, especially this year where everyone's, drafting running backs early. I don't know. The players just seem better at wide receiver. Like maybe you take one running back in the first round. And then after that, I just have a feeling like the value, especially in those middle rounds. I looked at those guys. You mentioned a couple of them. Thielen would be one. Adam Thielen, OBJ, Keenan Allen, Lockett, Allen Robinson, Sutton, Cup, like AJ Brown. Those guys are all going to show up. They're all going to show up. They're all going to produce. It's a passing league. If you're playing PPR, it's like they're all going to put up points every single week, whereas most of these running backs uh, are good in the first round, and then they're bad. Draft good players. Don't draft bad players. I mean, So you don't know, listen to me. Uh, Greg like, is I, the one who built Roto-World football. I'm just saying receivers are so deep. I think we're, we're pretty close to the same here, that basically there's so much value in all those guys from three, four, five, six – you know, in all those rounds that it's just would be like hard 
to pass them up when you're looking at these like kind of trash running backs. Like who would you rather have in real life that's going to come through every week? And that that, that to me is part of it. Really dry up after round four. I mean, right. are you gonna are you gonna stake your fantasy yeah. claim on like J.K. Dobbins because you hear he's blowing up in camp when Mark Ingram is like all of a sudden J.K. Dobbins, who's an incredible rookie, was I liked him uh, coming out of the draft or coming into the draft rather ahead of DeAndre Swift. I love his skill set. Also a great pass protector, which no one talks about. But do we really think that Ravens are going to shy away from Mark Ingram, something that worked so well last year, just because the rookie looks good right away? Yeah, you got to hit on some running backs. You got to hit on some running backs late, but I like kind of the idea of taking guys that you know are going to be be good. And I also like the idea of zigging where all the fantasy heads are zagging, you know? So if it's a year that everyone's taking running backs early, then you do the opposite. Doing the opposite is always a good draft strategy, I feel like. I, I want to ask you this, Liz, because, you know, this is a weird year and, you know, we're, strange off season, And there may be casual players that are saying, I don't have time for fantasy this year or it's, it's not the top thing on my list. But let's say you dive in, you follow all this draft advice. Everyone's always concerned about the draft. There's all this hype about it. And then obviously like six of your players, you know, fade away with knee injuries and shoulders falling off their off their bodies. And then you got to then you got to deal with the regular season that. roster management. <laughs> How what is, how what is your advice? Because there's all this draft advice, but when you're in week three, your team's falling apart. How do you, how much time do you need to spend? How would you approach that? You got kids at home, things are crazy, like, and you got some Body hyper parts are falling off people's bodies. That's all right. A you got it's some. A, you got some. Uh, one, like, you got some super nerd in your league who's up at three twenty two, like you know, taking stuff off the waiver wire. How do you do it in a weird fantasy in a weird Corona year? Well, listen, if you are a parent, do not draft in a league without parents this year because they're going to have an immediate advantage on you. So (laughs) just suggest that. I'm sorry if you don't have kids. Along with everywhere else in life. So, yes. Yes. (laughs) Never more has freedom and finances been more pronounced than in 2020 for parents. Why um, why are your children like bound and gag in in the the video behind you? I just noticed them in the corner corner there. They're very well behaved. Um, (laughs) Uh, I would say, so yes, like this year, especially when you're adding into potentially even players landing on the COVID list, right? You're going to have to work the waiver wire. This is a fact. There's no, I'm not going to try to, you know, sprinkle some pixie dust on this and say like, no, no, you're going to have to work more this year. But will I, what I will say is, don't you want to do something? Don't you want to distract yourself from all of the maudlin macabre ish that's going on around you? I mean, I have become a Denver, I'm not sorry. I've become a Utah jazz fan. All of a sudden, hmm. I'm watching the Utah Jazz. You know why? Because it lets me escape. So if you want to work the waiver wire at 3 o'clock in the morning instead of laying awake, staring at the ceiling, thinking about how the world is crumbling, <laughs> fantasy football's for you. Yeah. Wait, why the Jazz? You just – you. Are you from the I mean, area? That Mitchell kid, man, that Mitchell kid two nights okay. ago lit it up. And I like the orange uniforms, the whole thing. I know you guys have a Doncic thing, but, you know. No, no, yeah, I'm not. We're, we're big in our, our last producer was was a Mormon, probably a big jazz fan. So uh, it all it all connects. I'm, I'm not Norm, I'm not Mormon at all. Why do you assume that Sydney was a huge Utah jazz fan? Because because she's from Utah. You know, oh, there's no, uh, there's no Utah Jazz evidence fan of that, so. from Salt Lake. You know, who's from Utah? That's the one team you have. You better root for them. Liz, let me let me throw out some wide receivers that are going to give people pause, and they're going to think, "Oh, he he could be awesome, or he could end up killing me." Uh, coming off a bad year, uh, injury wise and quarterback wise, Juju Smith Schuster bounce back. 
I think Big Ben is healthy. I did a series of articles called Rest versus Rust with the help of an mm. orthopedic surgeon at I'm USC. He's also the team. Ah, it's not a brag. It's a resume, baby. You're working. Um, and so <laughs> I think Big Ben's going to be healthy Show enough. Show them receipts. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be healthy enough. I'm not worried about the elbow. I think Ben have, being back unlocks a lot of fantasy potential. I'm not worried about Juju. Also, Juju now is allowed to primarily perform in the slot, which he is best at doing, especially when you look at you know, Deontay Thompson coming on and being able to hold it down on the outside. And so I think that gives Juju an opportunity to return to doing what he does well. I have him ranked inside my top 20. I think he bounces back. Ooh. All right. How about the Sessler's golden boy, Odell Beckham Jr.? He is not my golden boy. I want to hear what you have to say here, though. <laughs> so OBJ, I, I did a, proje- a fearless forecast for him, a projection. It is tough because you cannot deny the talent and yet... He was not healthy last year. He reports to be healthy this year. You know, I do think there is a bounce back there. I am going to believe, especially when you look at the way he played, um, dealing with that core surgery, that core malady, whatever it was, um, hernia, sports hernia. um, I think he is going to be healthier. And if that is true, then he will be electric. I also think you're probably going to see some of that production come down because we know Stefanski loves to run the ball, though as much as people talk about, you Tight know, run-friendly, run-first fe- offense, you also, like, this is still a passing league, right? Mm. So th- we know that there's still going to be points available. So I think he bounced back, but I think when you deal with OBJ, you're dealing with variants, but that is baked into his current what, like, where, where is he going Mid- right now? Like, late fourth round. He seems to me, yeah. he'd be on my list if... I know, you know, Rank had the list of the guys that he absolutely loves league winner. I mean, OBJ would be near the top. I, sometimes I, I think fantasy don't get too complicated. You buy low, sell high. And this is like a, an unbelievable player who only would need to do what he did in his, ter- you know, in a supposedly terrible year last year to live up to that draft billing anyways. Like he'd, if you got a thousand yards and what he got and you drafted him there, you, you'd be fine with that. And there's a pretty solid chance that he just, you know, rips the the league apart because we've you've seen it happen before. I would say real it's quick, they had no they had no it's tight end production last year. I think Austin Hooper is going to have a huge year there. He has been their best player in camp, and I think that's going to pull away from Landry and OBJ. Uh, how about the trio of rookies: Jerry, Judy, Henry Ruggs, C.D. Lamb? You can only take one. They're all there for I you. Mean- I'm taking Brian Edwards, so it doesn't matter. Give me Michael Pittman ahead of all those guys, too. Yeah, Brian Edwards is a stud. Nobody's talking enough about him. I love Over Jerry Judy, both those guys? Yeah. How many? I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate that Elway is trying to right all of the previous wrongs with giving Drew Locke zero excuses this year and a million pass catchers. But, like, what can we really predict his? Target volume, like are we, we know, Corlin Sutton is good as what as as good as what he does, but he's not particularly flashy. Noah Fant is in the picture. Got cage. There's just so much going on there that I'm not sure that we're going to see enough volume from him as precise and as much of a technician as he may be. I just don't think for fantasy purposes, not real life football purposes, he's going to be impactful. C.D. Lamb, amazing, but again. You know, you got Blake Jarwin truthers chatting up his target volume. So there's like questions, questions there too. Henry Ruggs, obviously, like if we're looking at the Raiders, Ruggs is obviously meant to be the superstar of that receiving core, right? But Brian Edwards is the Brandon LaFell-esque workman who can do the dirty work and let the dude on the other side of the field shine. 
That to me is the guy reports out of camp, by the way, he's heading up over, um, he's beaten Tyrell Williams. Williams has another malady, another injury that he's going to try to play through. That doesn't sound great. Derek Carr talking about how he is already gaining trust in Edwards. Gruden talking about fast tracking rookies. Like to me, Brian Edwards is going to be the real fantasy story, not the flash. That's from the mermaid. That's from the prognosticating mermaid herself. She ain't got no feet, but she's got takes and receipts <laughs> and all the other good stuff. All right, Liz, thank you for joining us. You're thank a marvel. You, You're great at your job. You're a working mother, which I have endless respect for during this time of pandemic. Thank you for everything. Well, before Liz gets out of here, you got to tell the story of how we met. Oh, sure. So, <laughs> all right. Let's hear that. I mean, it's, it's all very foggy, I have to admit. Um, so uh, we were flying home from the Super Bowl from Miami the day after the Super Bowl. Everybody is like haggard. I don't I mean, I barely am clothed, like just dragging my body into the row. And I sit down and I recognize this woman and my producer, Jackie Pepper, is sitting on the uh, aisle seat. She's like super afraid of planes. And so she needs the aisle. And I'm like, I'm the one who had two kids. I need to pee all the time. But fine. So I sit down in the middle. She remembers, Jackie. She remembers. (laughs) Jackie Pepper. She's, she's, I'm sitting next to her and I'm like, oh, this woman is so familiar. She's so familiar to me. And then it clicks and I'm like, are you Ricky Hollywood? (laughs) And she's like, yeah. And, um, and so we start chatting Mm. and I talk about, you know, I'm friends with Wes and how Mark Sessler had been on a podcast back when I had my own indie podcast, the X's and Y's podcast. And, um, then I do think at one point, Jackie just keeps talking and Ricky is like talking and I feel like I'm going to pass out. And I just say, you guys, I'm, I'm done. Like I need to close my eyes now. I don't want, I don't want to talk anymore. And um, <laughs> I slumped over and slept for the rest of the trip. So yeah, that strategy all, works with, all, with Erica. That's yeah, cool. all three of us were, were in, <laughs> has were that in effect, you know. tough, tough uh, shape that, that flight if, back. If you want to see NFL reporters, media people <laughs> at their very worst, look, look how they are on Monday morning after the Super Bowl. That's, that's always a takeaway. All right, Liz, thank you so much for joining us. And again, follow Liz all season long for fantasy advice and life advice because she can give it out and she does it well. Thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We got more royalty. He is the man that helped build Roto World brick by brick with Rosenthal and Wes. And then he went out on, out on his own with Leviton establishing, established the run, which is now one of the great fantasy sites out there. He is the big fish. Evan Silva, welcome back to the podcast. Shoot, this is like our fifth year in a row that we're doing this, isn't mm. it? We are, we are getting old. I feel myself getting older. And you're not as big yeah, anymore. It feels like you're, you're trim. You're in you're fighting shape. I know you're not happy that Matthew Barry's coming on after you, though. I'm gonna get some. What I thought, I thought he text. was gonna be. I thought he was gonna be opening for me. Mm, <laughs> knew knew that would be an issue. That's on Erica. You can discuss with her. Thanks, after. Erica. Th- thanks, Ricky. <laughs> All right, so Silva, you are. You know, obviously, you're turning your body into a shrine, according to this video chat. But that has not stopped you from doing the work on the fantasy side of life and. So much great stuff on Establish the Run. Could not recommend it enough. I'm a subscriber, so I know you initially hooked us up a little bit, but I, I have since subscribed and I'm paying you for your content. I just want you, you to know. Wow. I appreciate yeah, it. Maybe I appreciate we'll it. Take that your, your money will be spent smartly. 
All right. So you have a couple of pieces um, out. You have the your sleepers and undervalued column. You have um, bus out there. Um, let's start with the sleepers and undervalued, though. I mean, we could go in so many directions. You have guys that you absolutely love, but I do love where you start in your column at Will Fuller uh, because I thought you were maybe, Evan, I don't want to get you angry, but uh, maybe overvaluing him. him, It's not always pretty. Um, Will Fuller, yes, the ceiling is high there with DeAndre Hopkins gone and his natural ability, which is vast. But the guy is always hurt, and I don't know if you put enough into that, which is his injury issues, which are kind of a big deal. put plenty into it. Put plenty into it. And so does the entire fantasy community because – so I think I'm, I'm a big believer that in the f- rounds one through, let's say four, that you should really be uh, incorporating downside of the player into your draft evaluation of the player. And you should be thinking about, um, you know, risk reward. Once you start to get into rounds five, six, seven, and Will Fuller's ADP is in the sixth and seventh round right now, I think you really start just hammering upside and, and you concern yourself less with injury floor. Uh, last year, Allen Robinson, I thought, was it was in a very similar situation. He was the number one uh, buy across fantasy formats that established the run, whether it be redraft mm. long league, whether it be dynasty leagues. Humble he had brag. Been coming off a little bit of an injury late in uh, first season with Chicago the year before in Jacksonville, he didn't even play at all. He played like what two snaps uh, and then tore his ACL. People were worried about his quarterback situation. We crushed on that. Will Fuller has replaced Allen Robinson as our number one buy across formats. Um, I understand the injury risk, but that is baked into his average draft position. We're pulling DeAndre Hopkins out of the Texans offense. He averaged 10 targets per game. That frees up 10 targets per game Mm. in an explosive passing offense, quarterbacked by Deshaun Watson. And one thing that I like to bet on uh, in fantasy and have had a lot of success betting on over the years is quarter established quarterback to pass catcher connections. Look at the rest of the Texans pass catcher core. Deshaun Watson really doesn't check down to RBs. They don't have a target commander at tight end. Randall Cobb is new. Well, we got like 10 padded practices. Randall Cobb is new. Brandon Cooks is new. Kenny Stills missed the start of camp and you know, he was up and he's going to be their fourth receiver. I think Will Fuller is the only returning player who has a legitimate established rapport with Deshaun Watson. And therefore this year, he's a guy that I think we should all be betting on. Plus those other guys have injury risks too, which can sure. open up the targets. I I'm totally with that whole theory. It's a great thing for fantasy people to think about. Cause I do think in the middle late rounds, it's almost like injuries are a little overrated. Injuries don't kill you in fantasy. If you got 11 good games out of Will Fuller, that wouldn't kill you either. Like, you can survive replacing him during some weeks. Obviously, you want it to be nicely timed up for the fantasy playoffs or whatever. But people, in the NFL, injuries kill you. In fantasy, you can you can live without three games of Will Fuller right. if he winds up being as good as Evan Silva says he is. It's not as if Will Fuller, like, if he's going to miss a few games, you're going to take zeros in those weeks. You're going right. to be starting another player. You know, that's why we have, you know, benches in fantasy football. I think that a lot of people think that, Fantasy football is a race to try to compile as many 16-game players as possible or avoid risk as much as possible. It's really a game where you want to have guys who have spike-weak potentials to make up for guys that have duds in certain weeks so that you know you can be winning as many weeks as possible. You're trying to win weeks in fantasy football. 
I got a little two-part question for you. Um, first of all, I mean, I look at the Dallas wide receiver crew, and I know you mentioned Michael Gallup in, in your article too. How do you kind of stack that and value that group? Uh, and, and secondly, let's just say, and I'm, ba- I'm back in the scene here. I'm playing fantasy this year for the first time in a, you know almost a decade or so. Um, well, you're playing let's, too. Wait, wait I literally asked nuts. you 20 minutes before the well, show if show, you were playing he, fantasy, and you're like, yeah, is, I'm not sure. This show has changed my mind. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm learning a lot on the fly here. But let's say there was a two-team league where it was Evan Silva versus me. How does that go? And so we got the Dallas question. And I want to know what happens one on one. Huge showdown, Silva Sessler, right. fantasy world. Let's let's focus on the first part of the question. Go ahead. Yeah, I have never played in a two team league, and I can't even. I mean, this is such a classic Sessler question because I feel like there is some intelligence behind it, but I just don't understand what he's saying at all. Um, <laughs> let's cut that. That's a, that's a nice drop. This is an ongoing theme of anytime Silva and Sessler have an interaction, Evan almost has no idea at any time what Mark is talking about. It's real. <laughs> but I mean, if you want to talk about Michael Gallup, oh, yeah. um, let's talk about Michael Gallup. Okay. <laughs> yes, Michael Gallup, I don't think people understand. He was number six in the NFL in receiving yards per game last year. He missed two games. If you just plug in his two playoff games from the year prior, and we just look at his last 16 games, period, he has 74 catches for 1,244 yards and seven touchdowns. That would have made him 2019's number overall, number seven overall wide receiver in PPR leagues. Mm. Um, wow. He is being drafted as the wide receiver 31 in high stakes ADP. High stakes ADP is supposed to be sharp. We have him as the wide receiver 25. I just like betting on the Dallas offense in general this year. I love the continuity that they have. They're returning four or five offensive line starters. I like the approach that Mike McCarthy has taken in just sort of leaving the offense to Kellen Moore. They played faster under Kellen Moore. They threw the ball more aggressively under Kellen Moore. They have a really soft schedule this year. It reminds me of that year, what was it, 2017, when they they went, what, 13-3 and three or 12-4 and four or whatever, and they, they, you know, they exploded on offense. That was with Dak as a rookie. Now Dak is in, what, his, his fourth year, and – I mean, I think that this offense, is they're going to score a ton of touchdowns this year. So well, I think that actually me- Amari Cooper is undervalued and Michael Gallup is undervalued. Um, and I think they're going to be really – they're pulling out Randall Cobb and Jason Witten, upping Blake Jarwin's usage. They, they're inserting uh, C.D. Lamb for Randall Cobb. I, I just They're going to score a lot of Lots touchdowns like. Well, by the way, Silva, maybe you don't realize it, but you just did answer – the first part of Seltzer's question. He was just trying to figure out how do you shake out and make sense of the, the targets that's okay. in Dallas. Well, I thought we worked part? in, we worked in concert there together very well. Yeah, that was, well, I think the two team league Silva would wipe the floor with you. I mean, that's, is that what you're looking for? A dis- I don't know. A two well, team league I'm not would asking be what you think would happen. I was asking what Evan, I know you would pick Evan and most, most thinking people would. Um, but you know, I mean, do you want like, an independent take on this, I feel like it'd be a coin flip, a two-team league. Both teams would be so absurdly stacked that it really doesn't matter the level of the players. I don't that's know. True. Maybe I'm crazy. No, hey, no, Silver, you're right. I, I right. root for a team that's terrible and depressing all the time. It would probably come down yeah. to like injury luck, you know. Yes, it, it, as it always true. does. Right. So on your sleeper list, as bad as the Jets look on paper right now and as bad as they looked in their scrimmage today um, over in Florham Park, you have three players to you that that stand out. Uh, Chris Herndon, the tight end, which a lot of people are talking about. Herndon is a guy that bounces back strong after a lost 
2019. But also, Jameson Crowder is someone that jumps out uh, to you as well, as well as Brashard Perryman, who came over from Tampa. Your thoughts on the Jets, who are a depressed value, I assume, in this world? It's admittedly concerning to have three of the undervalued slash sleepers, uh, you know, there, there are only 15 of them. So that's taking what, what, like 15, 20% of the, the <laughs> list here on Jets. And that is scary, especially considering the history of skill position players being suffocated under Adam Gase and then all of a sudden exploding when they go to new opportunities. <laughs> fearless um, by you. It's right. fearless by you, Silva, ultimately. Right. Um, but I think that these players are being undervalued because they are a part of the Jets. Uh, I think the Jets are going to be playing from behind frequently this year. They just lost their best two defenders. They traded away Jamal Adams. They lost C.J. Mosley to an opt-out. I think they're going to struggle on defense a lot more than they did last year. The play, the personnel just isn't going to be as good. Um, Chris Herndon had an all-time rookie year, especially for, a, what, a fifth-round tight end. Hmm. Uh, he had over 500 yards, which, I mean, he, over the, the previous decade, uh, the – he had the 10th most yards of any rookie tight end. I mean, he he can play. His problem last year was he had the suspension and then he was injured. He's my favorite late-round tight end this year. Um, I think he's going to get a chance at like 100 to 110 targets. Again, going back to the established rapport between quarterbacks and pass catchers, Jamison Crowder has, you know, a, 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 you know locked in – I mean, 122 targets last year – dominated the targets from Sam Darnold. You look at what they did on the, the outside. They changed out their per, both of their perimeter receivers. Denzel Mims can't get on the field. Brashawn Perryman is now hurt. Brashawn Perryman is also on the list. The, the, the list was made before he got hurt. But uh, I, like, I think Brashawn Perryman is good. I think he's always been good. If you go back and look at the history of Brashawn Perryman, he has had horrible luck. Like His dad got sick. You know, Brett Perryman, an excellent receiver in the NFL for a long time. With the Lions, his dad got sick, and that really – he fell into a depression. Um, he struggled with, like, shin splints early in his career with uh, the Ravens and uh, a PCL injury that he just is – a, is a brutal injury for a wide receiver. The hairline him, was a lot to overcome. He was, he was, he was struggling with that he was for a while. Not overcome that. Yeah, and then he got a shot in Cleveland, and he got some opportunities, and he really, really flashed. That was good. Over his, and one of the big things that he got knocked for early in his career was drop passes. Over the past two seasons with the Browns and the Bucks, he's got 94 targets, one drop. Mm. And then if you look at what he did over the final five games of last year with Tampa Bay, when he got an abundance of opportunity because Chris Godwin and Mike Evans were both a little banged up at the end of the season, he had 87-plus yards and or a touchdown in each of the five games to finish last year. I think Brashad Perryman can play. Um, but this this knee swelling again. He had the PCL injury a couple years ago. Is, is a little bit scary. So I would be a little bit less bullish on him after knowing of that. Do you uh, yeah. do you have an Ernest Wilford this year? You know, just the guy that Silva's banging the drum for <laughs> so much that like the other people at established mm-hmm. the run are almost talking about. It. Or maybe I don't know if that this is Levitan's role. Does Levitan ever step in and like? Are you sure you want to draft, you know, put Wilford yeah. in the top <laughs> the 20? Because you're representing not just 
<laughs> yourself, but our our money, like our money, is tied together. You are business partners. This is the established. This is a private run, business. You know, this brand. Is not NBC. And, this isn't corporate. Right, right, and because you know, we we used to get into it sometimes. Troll. Wilford stands sometimes. out to me. You know, you're making <laughs> Wilford above Marvin Harrison, like in the middle of Harrison. There were there were a lot of times where I had to sign off AOL Instant Messenger because I was going to say something bad. You know, and like get myself fired. <laughs> so, is there a player this year that you guys um, that yeah. you guys are clashing on? I would say it's probably Rob Gronkowski. First of all, mm. Adam Levitan is a major ageist, and he has lowered <laughs> the ball lowered the bar on who is old. So far, he's starting to creep into like the late twenties. That means you're old now. Gronkowski, well, Gronk's body is old in his defense. Gronkowski news for us. Thirty one in May, like okay. literally just turned thirty one. Um, but I mean, he look. Everyone would admit that in 2018, Rob Gronkowski looked like a big transformer robot who you know couldn't move at all. <laughs> pre workout Silva, pre pre boxing. Right, class. right. So I mean, at the end of the day, Rob Gronkowski, I think it's going to come down just a lot uh, to touchdowns. I think he could score a lot of touchdowns. That's not always the best way to project and approach fantasy, but he's sort of in this tier with. Guys like Jared Cook and Austin Hooper, and I think he's going to score more touchdowns than those guys. So um, that's like kind that. of why he's being considered there. All right, let's let's swing negative now. Let's get into some busts. Who 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 are some of the guys that are really on Silva's list of guys? Keep them away from my team because I got a bad vibe. Well, a lot of people aren't going to like to hear this, and I know that. Rosenthal isn't going to like to hear this because I know that he loves Josh Jacobs, but Josh Jacobs' situation is worrisome. And look, I I think that Josh Jacobs like maybe already is a top five straight ball carrier rusher in the NFL, like in terms of a rushing talent. But in his first year, he averaged two point one targets per game. That's not enough. He had twenty catches in thirteen games. He only ran seven more pass routes than Jalen Rashard, who the Raiders. Went and then re-signed. That was like one of their first moves of the offseason. Hey, we got a lot of money. A lot of money for Taylor Richard. Two years, seven million. That's a decent amount of money for a running back in this day and age. They drafted Lynn Bowden, who played primarily wide receiver. He played some Wildcat quarterback at Kentucky's, sort of like a Randall Cobb player, but they're they they announced him as a running back on draft day. And then Mayock after the draft was like, We're playing this dude at running back. Um, and he's a pass catcher. And then they went and signed Devontae Booker and Theo Riddick, and those guys might not even make the team, but it's like indications that they're not going to give Josh Jacobs more receiving work. And I'm really worried about the Raiders playing from behind a lot this year. I think they're not a good team. I know they mm. went 7-9. and nine. They won a bunch of close games last year. They really fell off at the end. They were bottom five in point differential. They have a bottom five uh, strength of schedule according to, according to Warren Sharp's, uh, you know, Vegas win totals based SOS. And I mean, you want me, I'm just going to read off their schedule after week one. So in week one, they faced the Panthers. And I mean, we're going to be playing Josh Jacobs in DFS because we're not going to get to play him for very long after that. Week two facing the Saints, maybe the most talented team in the NFL. Week three at New England, good luck. Week four against the Bills, I think the Bills like might win 11, 12 games this year. Week five against the Chiefs, good luck. Uh, week six against the Buccaneers, they have a nine-and-a-half game win total. They have a lot of talent. They're going to be well-coached, good luck. Uh, at the Browns, I think the Browns are going to be improved. 
uh, at the Chargers. Chargers are going to have a really good defense, really talented on defense. Um, then against the Broncos, Broncos are going to have a good defense. And then against the Chiefs, again, they're going to be mm. from behind a lot. And it might be Jalen Rashard mm. and or Devontae Booker and or Theo Riddick out there quite a bit. Um, and I forgot how much you out. hated the Raiders. I think it's even survived this new regime change. You just Don't killing the Raiders on, on Twitter. Just, on me. just generally. Just Do you generally. mean how much I've been right about the Raiders? <laughs> Do you mean how much I've been right about the Raiders? They're, that's fair, but last the Raiders has paid off for a long time. Their offense was good last year, though. Their <laughs> offense overachieved. The offense was, I'm sure, better than you projected last year by a good deal, right? I mean, there was a pretty good offense. Uh, their offensive line was better than I expected. It, it came together well. I mean, that was the first offense, good offensive line that Tom Cable has coached in like three decades. <laughs> nailing, nailing Raiders failures kept the lights on at Silver Manor for <laughs> years. Evan, I got one for you. Like, so I know quarterbacks are totally devalued in this process at this point, but is there a quarterback out there that everyone is sort of hot on and you're just thinking, has anyone ever watched football? No on this guy. Mm. Well, um, I would say that it's probably Aaron Rodgers. And I wouldn't say that it's that people are super hot on him, but he still goes well above where he should in drafts because of big name value. Um, the Packers just have not set him up to succeed. They're not, I mean, let's just look at their draft. They drafted his replacement in the first, traded up for his replacement in the first round. In the second round, they drafted a big bulldozing running back. In the third round, they drafted, you know, Kyle, the guy that they are hoping becomes Kyle Juszczyk. Their number two receiver is Alan Lazard, who I do think he could overachieve in fantasy. And Devontae Adams is obviously a stud, but. I mean, they're they're throwing darts at Robert Tanyan and Jay Sternberger at tight end, and you know they want to be a, a, a run first team, and he's just not built up. He's not built for fantasy success. The Packers may be good again, but right. he is not built to be a productive uh, fantasy quarterback this year. I know Silva doesn't really like respect uh, my fantasy acumen anymore, and uh, <laughs> oh, that hurts. Here we go. <laughs> It hurts. Well, he said yeah. it actually. He no, said oh, that. No, we've gone back yeah. and forth on Twitter. Very I'm, little, I'm, I'm past my prime. Stay in, stay in my lane as if football and fantasy football are so different. Ooh, who could somehow figure out the difference? Um, <laughs> but I, but I'm trying to get bit. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling weak here and I'm trying to get back on his good side. So I hit him up the other day. Cause we, we do agree on a player um, yeah. that people seem to love that, that, that I don't. And, they're going to love him even more, Tariq Cohen, after this David Montgomery injury on Wednesday. So I'm guessing even with Montgomery is sort of sidelined here, hmm. Silva is not jumping on the Tariq Cohen bandwagon. Man, I don't know. This When this happened, I was like, this is going to let the, the Tariq Cohen truthers off the hook. You know, it's going to bail them out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm have, I have to move him up. I'm going to have to move him up. Yeah, actually, probably still less than, than within other people have him. I mean, if you look at right now his backfield competition, it's Ryan Null, who being a, a big-time preseason DFS player, RIP in peace, preseason DFS, <laughs> um, like you, you sort that of have to – That's I know, because there's money to be made in the preseason. That's kind of the you, sneaky best part to, to talk do yourself it. Into Playing Ryan Null, you, you know he's going to have 18 carries in a preseason game, <laughs> but you have to almost talk yourself in it because if you watch him play, he's like, uh, he's like the biggest plotter you've ever seen. You know, <laughs> that, that's the other. That's the next. I'm confusing, have to find it's him. confusing him and Craig Null. Do you remember Craig Null? Is yeah, there any relation? Craig, no? Quarterback for the Packers, of course, man, of course. 
<laughs> I mean, don't you think the Tariq Cohen thing would have happened by now if it was going to happen? Right. In a few right. years I'm now. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, Give us one more before if, we say goodbye, Evan. If he all of a sudden starts you know, getting 10 carries and seven targets a game, like it doesn't matter if he's not very good. You know, he's, he's going to be one good more bust before we say goodbye. Mr. One so. more bust. Okay. DeAndre yeah, Hopkins. DeAndre Ooh, Hopkins. I like it. He, interesting. He's a big fish. he goes for big fishes. Interesting. Oh, we really DeAndre Hopkins consensus ADP right now is a top five wide receiver. We have him at wide receiver 15. And I think that first of all, you have a like if you look back at the history of wide receivers that change teams during the offseason, usually takes usually takes like a, a year for them to really grow into the offense. The perfect example last year was Odell Beckham. Um, DeAndre Hopkins has, and a big reason for that is because the quarterback and the receiver have to get on the same page, right? Has there ever been a worse offseason for a quarterback and a receiver to get on the same page than this one? No. Over the past five seasons, DeAndre Hopkins averaged 166 targets per game, 166. His primary competition for targets during those years was Will Fuller, who we like, but we also know was very often injured in a complimentary role player. Now he's going to Arizona where he's got to deal with Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Kenyon Drake was on pace for 60 catches. Uh, in his eight games with the Cardinals last year. And if you go back and look at the, the the philosophy of Cliff Kingsbury, of Mike Leach, of this air raid attack, and I, you know, I try to put, there's this video of Mike Leach talking about this, and I try to post it every year, talking about what, what, to, what to Mike Leach is balance on offense. He says, um, a lot of coaches will say it's 50% run, 50% pass, and he says that's 50% bullshit. Because it's equal distribution of the ball to your playmakers. Of course, guys that are more talented are going to get the ball a little bit more than, you know, the fifth most, the, the fifth most talented playmaker on the offense. But it's, you know, dis- distribution. It's not, you know, trying to establish the run. Um, it is trying to distribute the ball to the playmakers to make your offense truly balanced. And I think that we're not going to see 166 target year out of DeAndre Hopkins. I think it's going to be more in the range of 130. And he's already missing time with a hamstring injury at Cardinals camp. Swing your sword, baby. Great book. Mike Leach. (laughs) I agree with Silva too much. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't either. um, I'm totally on board with that one. Well, he, he is the big fish. We reeled him in for another year. And you know what? He, it's so good of you to come on and help us out in this territory. No Wes, it would have been nice to hear you mix it up with Wes a little bit, but uh, you know, Rosenthal, I was hoping you guys would start really taking verbal swings at each other. <laughs> Didn't happen as much this year, but maybe next year, something to look forward to. Thanks so, so much uh, guys for having me and yo, Wesling, if you're listening to this, man, I think about you every day and um, thanks again, guys for having me on. Silva okay. saves like All the right. really nasty stuff for texts. Just like at one in the morning, be like, "You, I remember what you said back in 2010." <laughs> All right, we've come to our final guest of the Around the NFL podcast, Extravaganza in the fantasy realm, and it is one of the greats the industry has ever seen. Matthew Berry of ESPN, thank you for joining us on the show. 
My pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. I don't think I've hey. I don't think we've ever done something with you, Barry, even though we crossed paths and we've kept in touch over the years at Roto World yeah. for about two weeks. It was very it wasn't very long. You were uh, you were um <laughs> in embroiled in a in a feud with upper management ownership. Uh, right. but it's way back in two thousand and three when there just weren't many like full time jobs or, or people trying to make them into jobs in fantasy. Yeah, I was embroiled into a into a dispute with them because um, <laughs> because they had uh, I, I had worked for them for free for a long time and eventually I'd worked my way up to making fifty bucks a column. And I was writing two columns a week and I was making a hundred so dollars a week. I was making a hundred dollars a week or you know or uh, I guess four hundred dollars a month. And they came to me and they said after four and a half years uh, they said, you know, hey, uh, we're having some issues uh, financially. This is before NBC bought them. We're having some issues financially, and we'd like to uh, uh, cut your pay to a hundred dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> and that will solve things. And then I said, wait, what? And they go, oh, well, listen, no, no, no. You're like our highest red writer. Like you're the, everyone else is getting zero. We're actually, you know, they thought there was a big thing that they were, they were still going to pay me a hundred bucks a month. And I was just like, and I was just like, wait a minute. So after four and a half years of writing for you guys, you want to cut my pay by 300%. (laughs) And they go, they go, well, when you say it that way, it sounds bad. I'm like, because it is. They were like, definitely like there was definitely a point, maybe like a Christmas later, when they were play, when they were paying people with credit cards to try to get through the year, and you had kind of taken off. That I think there was kind of like, oh, we we might have might have blown that one with Barry. Maybe that was a bad. Move. This is the clip we're going to use for social, by the way, just to let you know. So this will be hot in about an hour. Your, your love and hate column is obviously one of the one of the most popular and most read fantasy columns out there. And I, I thought it was something interesting that you said that Silva said earlier, actually, that you see a big advantage in this year with no preseason and just 14 padded practice. You love the proven guys who are returning to a familiar setup uh, with a uh, familiar system, coaching, personnel. In this strange year of Corona, that seems especially important when you're putting together a team, doesn't it? It does to me. Look, there's going to be so much that's unknown and untested and we've never seen before in this upcoming season. So let's try to at least narrow down and get rid of the variables that we can. And so, you know, look, it doesn't mean that you're going to go crazy here. But for me, for example, like I have DeAndre Hopkins at five. DeAndre Hopkins, one of my favorite players in the NFL and obviously one of the best in the in the entire league. But when you have to nitpick at that elite level, give me Michael Thomas with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, right? Give me Devontae Adams with Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. Give me Julio with Matt Ryan, you know, and, and Dirk Cutter. Give me uh, give me Tyree Kill with Pat Mahomes and, and Andy Reid. Give me those guys ahead of Hopkins, who's going to obviously a new quarterback and a new system, you know, and isn't going to have the time to develop the chemistry with Kyler Murray that the four guys I just mentioned already have and have had for years. I, I I thought it was interesting where you put Miles Sanders um, in the not love but the hate category. Right. Um, I'd love to hear about that. I'm also um, it, still still kind of awestruck by the fact that you were in Avengers, but uh, we'll deal with that another time. We can start with Miles Sanders here. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, uh, although I'd be more than happy to talk about uh, Avengers Endgame because you know, like you know, you're never sick of talking about that. No. Right? All right. So <laughs> first off. 
well, because here's the thing, guys. I'll just say this really quickly because it's important for me to say and just get this message out as much as I can. I've been in only one movie in my life. Avengers Endgame. <laughs> I've only been in one movie. I'm one movie. I'm a one the movie. Girl Redford. I, right, I, I'm in a scene, right? I have four lines. I'm a cast member. I'm in the credits. I'm in IMDb with it. I'm a, I'm a legit cast member of Avengers Endgame. You got a residual check coming in? I got a residual check. It was very generous. Better right? than Roto World. Yeah, may, it's better than Roto World. Better than uh, Roto World. Even at the high cotton days of Roto World. Um, and uh, the point is, is that Avengers, so I've been in one movie. I'm a one movie actor. And that movie, Avengers Endgame, is the highest grossing movie worldwide all time. Mm. More money than any movie ever in the history of cinema worldwide. And so connect the dots on a per movie basis. I'm the highest grossing actor of all time. (laughs) I mean, there are other actors out there that have more cumulative box office. Yeah. On a per movie basis, like everyone's looking up at me. I just, it's weird that your phone isn't ringing more for movie too, or maybe you're just selective. You're waiting, you're waiting for the next one that could top Avengers. Correct. hundred percent being my, I mean, I, I thought it was impressive, Matthew, that you wrote one of the Crocodile Dundee sequels, but this one, this factoid just blows that one out of the water. My, I Just imagine someone who has no knowledge of anything, and they come on and they read my IMDb page, which is, I think I have like a couple of different profiles there, but it's such a mess. Like, wait a minute. So this guy wrote Croc 3, and he was in Avengers Endgame, and he's a fake football guy for ESPN, and, you know... He was also on One Life to Live because I did a two day thing on One Life to Live as a, uh, you know, uh, as a synergy kind of thing. And like, right, I just the weirdest, I have the weirdest list of credits. I have a really weird resume and I have a really, I'm, you know, probably the most insane IMDb page that makes no sense whatsoever because I was also a Hollywood writer. So I like, I have these writing credits of like shows that some people have never heard of. And anyway, so uh, yeah, I've had a very weird path and a, a truly blessed career. Uh, all right, so Miles Sanders. Let's get to actual football here. Miles Sanders. So I want to clarify something here for your listeners that may not be aware of what love-hate is. I don't hate the player. I hate the ADP. So love-hate is entirely about ESPN ADP. And I'll get in a plug to play ESPN.com Fantasy Football. Ooh, Download our app for free. Got to do that. But so, You're not going to get as many plugs as Adam ranked it earlier, so it'll be fine. I'm, I, I'm sure I won't. I'm sure it won't. And you had Marcus on too, right? So like you're yeah. doubling up the NFL guys, right? So anyway, <laughs> and uh, I'm sure Ev- I'm sure Evan was plugging his site as well, you know, left and right. So uh, believe me, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll listen. If anyone followed me at all, I'll, I'll give him a run for his money in terms of plugs. But uh, <laughs> the the great fantasy game over at ESPN.com. All right, so Miles Sanders, don't hate the player, great player, right? Or what I what I have a problem with is his ADP. I've seen I he's currently going as running back nine on ESPN.com, and I've seen him go as high as running back seven. And you think, and it's all based on two things. Number one, it's based on last year. There was a five-game stretch, at which point he was the guy. Weeks, weeks, like whatever, eleven to sixteen. I'm sorry, weeks, weeks twelve to sixteen. He was awesome. Twenty-one touches a game, 117 yards from scrimmage, over 21 fantasy points per game in PPR. Top five fantasy running back. I get it. He was awesome. He was also all they had. Like, the Eagles back then were so banged up that their starting wide receiver was former AAF San Antonio Commander superstar Greg Ward. 
<laughs> That's who they were rolling out there. I don't even know if he was a superstar for them. Right. Yeah, he was very contributor to the commanders. Anyway, the fact is, is like they just they didn't have anyone. Right. I mean, so everyone like talked about how Miles Sanders was like this amazing guy coming out of college, you know, better than Barkley at Penn State and blah, 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 blah. But the fact is, is that he couldn't beat out Jordan Howard. Before Jordan Howard got um uh, before J- Jordan Howard was injured, Miles Sanders was getting eleven touches a game. Okay, and, and by the way, Boston Scott from weeks fourteen on was the seventh best running back in fantasy last year. Again, also a showing that they didn't have anyone, but also also because so it, so you're basing it on on a situation that I don't think is likely to repeat this year. I believe the Eagles will have many more skilled players healthy than they did when Miles mm. Sanders got all sorts of run. And you're basically where he's go- being drafted. You're drafting him at RB7. You're drafting him at the end of the first round, top of the second. And you're doing that off of five games. Like, it's a small sample size, right? And so, I mean, like, my argument is, is like, well, listen, if we're going off of small sample sizes, why isn't Austin Eckler going higher? Austin Eckler, for the four games that Melvin Gordon wasn't there, like he will be this year in, in, in Los Angeles, was the second best running back in fantasy. He was only five points worse than Christian McCaffrey over the first four games. But we're all ignoring Austin Eckler. Mm, like the best like that. On the field. Need a little Eckler buzz. I like that. Because of Tyrod Taylor? What? Like, you're telling me that Anthony Lynn, former NFL running back, Anthony Lynn, is suddenly going to go pass happy with Tyrod Taylor? You suddenly think Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly are more of a threat to Eckler's playing time than Melvin Gordon was last year? By the way, once Melvin Gordon came back, from the time Melvin Gordon came back in week five till the end of the year, Austin Eckler was the fifth best running back in fantasy. We're produced even with Melvin Gordon there. Okay, fine. So now you talk about like, well, people are like, oh, Doug Peterson's never had a guy like Miles Sanders. Okay, maybe. Okay, maybe. But uh, last year, everyone, that's what everyone was saying about Bruce Arians and O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard's not – Bruce Arians doesn't need a tight end. Oh, uh, well, yes, but he's never had a tight end like O.J. Howard. How'd that work out? Like, Fair. here's the thing. I'm just going off of, of what we've seen so far. I hear you. Sanders may be the most talented running back that Doug Peterson has ever had. But Doug Peterson has been the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles for 64 regular season games. Nine times, literally nine times in those 64 games, has a single running back gotten more than 20 touches in a game. Mm. Go. And they've been winning those games too, so that, that's not Doug, a good sign. Doug Peterson is a former NFL quarterback, right, who, who came up under Andy Reid. Like, what does Doug Peterson want to do? He wants to throw. He's going to throw like, and I get it. Miles Sanders is going to be involved in the passing game. And I, people aren't worried about Boston Scott or Corey Clement. And they, you know, they haven't, they haven't signed anyone, even though they kicked the tires on, on Devontae Freeman and LaShawn McCoy and Carlos Hyde. And, you know, they were rumored to be in on some of these veterans that went elsewhere or in the case of Freeman are still on the street. But I guess, I don't know, for me, it's just really risky to draft a guy uh, that high that we've seen, literally five games of elite production from in a situation that I don't think is likely to repeat this year, which is that every other skill player they have is injured, except for like Zach Ertz, who's also still banged up during that time frame. That's, nah, my, let's, let's, that's my, that's my, our, Miles Sanders is an RB2 this year, not an RB1 where he's being drafted argument. I still have him as a top 20 guy. I still have him a top 15 guy. I still think he's good. He's at running for, running back 14 for me. But the idea that he's a top seven running back is is crazy to me. 
Let's let's stay in the running back category because I love your David Johnson theory. I love it. I mean, I didn't think of it that way, and now I can't stop thinking of it because what Matthew's saying is that the nature of David Johnson's circumstances, of how he got to Houston, will inform how he's used with the Texans. That avalanche of criticism around the DeAndre Hopkins trade can lead to a significant production bump in year with the te- year one with the Texans because, in part, Bill O'Brien, the head coach GM, doesn't want to look mm. bad. I mean, Great. Matthew, I, that to me is something that holds water. And you have a past example I'd like you to share of how that worked with another team in the not-so-recent past at running back. This is something that I think gets overlooked a lot in fantasy football analysis, is that football players are humans. Head coaches, general managers, everyone around a football team is a human being with emotions, with egos, with, you know, with the faults, like all of us, right? And the other piece of it is, is that an NFL team is like many other uh, organizations. There are internal politics, okay? And so that is why sometimes you're like, why doesn't that guy get the run when that veteran, like, it's, you know, sometimes it's just like players run, rub coaches the wrong way. One of the reasons why Frank Gore has lasted as long as he has, people love Frank Gore. By all accounts, Frank Gore is like the best teammate of all time. Like they just love him. So anyway, my to answer your question, you think about the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley. They got so much criticism. Dave Gettleman got so much criticism for passing on Sam Darnold or passing on any sort of quarterback and taking Saquon at two overall. They needed Saquon to work. And I remember I had Saquon as a top five player overall that year, and people were talking like, you're crazy. He's a rookie running back. That offense going to be awful. That offensive line is one of the worst in the NFL. Like, they're going to be so down, blah, 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 blah. And Saquon obviously had a monster rookie season fantasy-wise, and it's because – they were like, if nothing else goes right, Saquon's going to work. We're going to mm. make Saquon a star. It obviously helps that he's insanely talented. He's you know one of the best running backs in the NFL. But even on a bad team, bad quarterback, and a, a struggling offensive line, they figured out ways to make Saquon Barkley a star. And so to that point, yes, David Johnson, like when, when you think about what the Texans did, the Texans had a 1,000-yard rusher in Carlos Hyde last year. They got production out of Duke Johnson. And they had one of the best wide receivers in the in the game in DeAndre Hopkins. And they not only traded DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona, but they and to for David Johnson, but they took on his contract. It's like, crazy. You can't even argue that, well, it was a salary dump. Like we know Hopkins wants a new deal and we don't want to pay him. And so like they took on David Johnson's contract. So I yes, Bill O'Brien. Here's all the criticism. You trade a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who is beloved in the community, who obviously is a fan favorite. David Johnson needs to work. He He's not going to win any efficiency awards, but I think he is going to get as much volume as any running back in the NFL this year because they need mm. to work. Like they, and by the way, just for whatever it's worth, this is very loosey-goosey math, but uh, it's illustrative. Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde last year, two running backs that I don't think are as good as David Johnson, combined last year, if you combine their production, they would have been the, that player would have been the fifth best player and uh, fifth, best, fifth best running back in fantasy. Now I'm not saying David Johnson's going to be the fifth best running back in fantasy, but I think he gets the I think he gets all of the Carlos Hyde role, and I think he gets a good chunk of the Duke Johnson role. And got to be a good player though. Got to be a good player. I'm not sure he's good at football. 
And at some point that's going to show up. I love a little Duke Johnson at the, at the end of my draft. I do want to bring up one last guy. Cause I know you're a Washington football team yes, fan and that's tough. There aren't many out there. There aren't for, that many for, that are kind for, of like public for many reasons today, especially yes, sir. Yes. Yes. It, and, um, I know you probably haven't had many that you've got to put on your love. Hey, I can't imagine over the years from Washington, maybe a little early Clinton Portis, who knows? Uh, but Terry McLaurin, I think is kind of getting slept on a little bit as, um, just a pure talent and what, you know, and what you think he could be like there in terms of, I mean, you just talked about feeding David Johnson the ball. How much are they going to feed Terry McLaurin the ball? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a ton, right? I always say this. Fantasy success is pretty easy to, to determine. I think it's a um, it's talent and opportunity, right? So to your point about David Johnson, I think massive opportunity. We can argue about the talent, um, but uh, he's going to have a massive opportunity. Terry McLaurin, I think we all agree, both talent and opportunity. I talked to a lot of the Washington coaching staff at the Combine, and – you know, they're bringing over the, the Carolina offense, in essence, right? Scott Turner, uh, who was uh, quarterbacks and then offense coordinator for, for Carolina, Norv Turner's son. He's the new offense coordinator of Washington. And the conversation was all about that they want Terry McLaurin to be the DJ Moore in that offense. Remember, Carolina Panthers were second pass attempts last year. Now, some of that was their defense, which was brutal. And they got in these shootouts and they got down big. But make no mistake, like, Scott Turner, son of Norv, is going to throw. Like, they're going to throw, and so who are they throwing to? Well, they're throwing to Terry McScorin, which I'm trying to float out oh, the yeah. name. I don't, I don't love this F1. I don't, I don't love F1. I'm just no. saying DJ Moore got 135 targets last year, right, in, in, in Carolina and had more competition for targets than I think McLaurin does this year in Washington. And so – and I think the Redskins – I think well, I think Washington's team – Washington's defense – will be better than Carolina's was last year. I actually don't think they'll be terrible. I think they'll be kind of middle of the pack. I think they have a pretty good line. But still, here's a guy, get this. Last year, Terry McLaurin, 12th or better among wide receivers in catch percentage above expectation, yards per target, end zone targets. And by the way, that was in an offense last year. Right. It was a Jekyll and Hyde offense, right? It was pass happy under Jay Gruden, then they fire him, and then Bill Callahan takes over, and then they, they we're going to go back to run first. So we're going to establish the run. There you go. There's a plug for Evan Silva. We're going like, <laughs> to – I mean, literally, like, that was – like, that's what they were going to do. And the, different quarterbacks are in and out, and, you know, they, Haskins is, is thrown behind a, a brutal offensive line, and it's just – it's a mess. And so I'm a, I'm a Dwayne Haskins believer. I don't believe he throw 50 touchdowns at Ohio State and then suddenly forget how to play football. I think it was an awful situation uh, and an awful franchise in transition last year that he was thrown into. And I think at least they're trying to take, you know, at least as, uh, you know, at least on the football field under Ron Rivera, it's going to be a much more buttoned up organization. And uh, I'm not ready to throw in the towel yet on Dwayne Haskins. And certainly I expect him to look early and often for his former college roommate or teammate, I should say, not roommate, but teammate. Before we say goodbye, Matthew, and thank you again for joining us, just wanted to ask your take on Erica. Can you play the sound clip? Who the hell is Matthew Barrett? <laughs> Garden Minshew beer <laughs> commercial where your name is cited. Did they have to get clearance uh, from not. you to use that? They did not. And I was like, it's so funny because his agent texted me like an hour before that commercial came out. Me, uh, just heads up, Gardner, uh, Gardner name drops you. And I'm like, oh, nice. Um, what's he do? He's like, well, he's not happy with his ranking. And I'm like, wait, I'm like, by the way, 
By the way, like Garner on ESPN, Garner mentioned <laughs> QB twenty seven. I'm his QB twenty. You mentioned okay. my love list. He's literally in my love list. Like I have him, I have him as my QB sleeper in our sleepers and bus column. He's in my love. Right. Like, you shouldn't be on his hate list based on this. Liz, I'm actually giving love to Gardner Minshew. I think Gardner Minshew has a really nice fantasy season here, guys. I'll, um, well, I, he wants I, to be a first round pick. I mean, it's not like you love him that much. I'm not. Yes, I, I'm not. I'm not. I don't think he's a first round pick, and I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think it's worth a case of beer for me to make him a first round pick. It's a good you pop know, for I, you, though. You're getting some good pop. This is good pop. publicity. I love it. I re- I retweeted the I retweeted that video and said QB one. I thought it was really funny. Um, and in fairness, it's a pretty good question. Who the hell is Matthew Barry? It's a it's a existential question I ask myself all the time. And uh, I would just say my my final thought, and it's unsolicited uh, advice for you is you know litigation with Anheuser Busch about character defamation maybe ends up being a nice path for you to set up your retirement. Get well, back some of that Roto World money. Yeah, exactly. If there's any lawyers out there listening, uh, yeah, hit me <laughs> up if you think we got a case. Um, but uh, <laughs> legit, since this is a fantasy football podcast, and I took up a minute and a half with Avengers talk, I will say that I actually think Gardner Minshew is a really nice fantasy sleeper. Mm. I like again, same thing. Uh, there's two things. Here's a here's the thing. You know, we were talking about sort of politics of a team, and, and like with the David Johnson Saquon thing. Here's another thing. I don't think people understand. So Gardner Minshew last year, you know, he, he was a late-round draft pick. He's just trying to find the field. Nick Foles gets signed to that big deal. All of a sudden, Minshew's in there. Like, he's he's still trying to figure out where he puts his helmet, like, when he comes in for practice. So, but, the, but there's difference, right? There's a difference. At, you know, same thing with Daniel Jones, who's a big sleeper for me. Like, last year he had to come in. He's just like, oh, Eli, it's this living legend, blah, blah, blah. I just got to stand in the back of the locker room and try not to make noise. There's a different mindset that now you come into this year – the Jags have gotten rid of, of Nick Foles. It is Gardner Minshew's team. And uh, they a brand-new uh, offense coordinator, Jay Gruden. What does Jay like to do? He likes to throw. New quarterback coach, Ben McAdoo. What does Ben like to do? Ben likes to throw. And now you bring in Gardner Minshew for a team that we know is rebuilding that's going to have a bad – Calm down, Mark. That's going to have a – they're going to have a bad defense. And uh, think about what Jay Gruden has done in his career. If you think about his time as the offense coordinator of the Bengals – or is the head coach of Washington. Been eight full seasons. Forget 2019 when he got fired five games in. There's been eight full seasons. Three of those seasons I'm going to throw out. First year, which is Andy Dalton's rookie year. Throw that out. His first year in Washington, which was the RG3, got hurt year in Kirk Cousins, and there was back and forth, and he had to start Colt McCoy for a couple games. So he had three different quarterbacks that year. And then 2018, which was when he had, that was the, he had four quarterbacks that year, that was the Alex Smith got injured year. That was the uh, – he had played Colt McCoy, my current colleague Mark Sanchez, and AAF superstar Josh Johnson. He had four quarterbacks that year. So I think it's fair to throw those three years out. Every other year that Jay Gruden has been an offense creator or a head coach in the NFL, he's had a top 13 fantasy quarterback. Those mm. years that I just talked about, the, the five years that I just talked about, Andy Dalton and Kirk mm. Cousins were all top 13 all those years. And now he's got Gardner Minshew on a bad team. They've got some nice talent. I think DJ Shark is the real deal. You're hearing great buzz about Levixa. Like I'm not. A, they got Chris Thompson out of the backfield. You know, DD Westbrook. I think that that is. A, I think Gardner Minshew is going to be a a real value this year for players that are in two quarterback leagues, super flex leagues, deeper leagues. Uh, I'm in on Gardner Minshew, even though he doesn't know who the hell I am. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matthew Berry, thank you so much for joining me around the NFL podcast, Fantasy Extravaganza. You know where to find Matt, but uh, ESPN all over the website, on the network, uh, all season yeah. long. Thank Check you very out much. Check the Fantasy Focus oh, podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. Check out the Fantasy Focus podcast. And I would love to plug rotopass.com, which gets you a subscription to many great uh, sites, all the best premium fantasy football sites including ESPN plus you get a full year subscription to ESPN plus if you use the promo code ATH right or ATN right you guys are ATN sorry ATN ATN, ATN. Yep. the promo code, units yes ATN the promo code ATN at rotopass.com will get you 10% off so we'll see how yep. many we'll see how many subs you guys can drive you know and like <laughs> all right let's I'll, see and and if you do like I'll I'll pass it on to you guys as well you know I'll let you guys wet the beak you know so um <laughs> That's very nice of you. (laughs) Thank you much. Thank you very much, Matthew Berry. There he goes. And that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, puts a cap on the, yes, 27th annual fantasy extravaganza. And we are so happy to, um, so happy to do this every year because I feel like we've helped people today, boys. Yeah. I think so. I think sometimes it's like you wonder what, you know, just like Matthew Berry's wondering, who is Matthew Berry? What, what is our purpose here as a podcast? And I think you answered it, Dan. It's to help people. I mean, we, we make a difference. We make Eric, a difference I'm sure you've taken in their fantasy leagues. Ricky, I'm sure you've taken many notes uh, as your fantasy draft approaches. Yeah, I mean, I was only on the NFL's Fantasy League One show all last year, but no one seemed to care about my opinion about any of this, but it's cool. I'm not offended or upset, so it's fine. Do you have a... Before we sign off, do you have a player no, that has not, not come up that... No, I'm, d- I'm done oh. after this four-hour show, so I'm good. You guys got your info? <laughs> oh, no, you're not done. You're just starting, honey. You got a lot of work to do. I know. Ow. This is... This grew ugly. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Uh, A reminder, we have two more shows of Around the NFL content coming your way. Friday will be the Rundown podcast uh, that will get up earlier than usual, so look for that uh, in the afternoon. And then also Friday we'll be taping our Around the NFL broadcast, which airs digitally on NFL.com. You can find it on YouTube, and then it airs on NFL Network Saturday morning, so set your DVR if you still have that. If you haven't cut the cord, I know it's happening a lot these days. I still got it. <laughs> Keeping direct TV all these years is going to pay off on Sundays this year now that we're stuck at oh. home. Finally. Huge, huge. All right, Mark, congratulations. Your first, do you feel you. truly a part of this now? Yeah, I think the, I think this bugle slash trumpet is playing for me at the moment, so uh, I do. <laughs> Big moment for you. And I always love when you and Silva have a, a disconnect in conversation. Yeah, it's not exactly like a Starsky and Hutch scenario, I don't think. So what did what did change between eight minutes before the show when you told me, not sure if I'm going to play any fantasy leagues, to, to 20 minutes into the show, you telling Silva, like, oh, yeah, I'm signed up for, like, a well, dynasty, a bunch of best ball. You know, I know we're trying to get out of here. I'll, I'll say it real quick. I, I mentioned you, Greg, that I thought it might be good to play with my kids. And so um, I thought, you know, as the show was going on and you're sort of thinking your own things in your head, yeah, that would be a good idea. So that's all fun. I, I wish back you right. guys would stop talking for once. <laughs> Greg with the follow-up question nobody wants. <laughs> All right, play us when, off. When Erica starts oh looking at the camera, gosh. we know this one's getting cut for social. Oh, shut up, Greg. <laughs>
All right, this is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, and all of our wonderful guests, Adam Rank, Marcus Grant, Liz Loza, Evan Silva, and Matthew Berry. Until Friday. Let's skip through a field and try not to get the plague. go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.